Hello, I'm Adeolo Adeferasin and welcome to another episode of CP Speaks. Today, I'd love to talk about experiencing God, which funnily enough has the same title as one of the discipleship classes that we do at our church, Guiding Light Assembly in Parkview Estate, Ikoi, Lagos. If you have the opportunity, I'd love to recommend that you um, take part in our discipleship classes. It starts with Master Life, then Experiencing God, than mind of Christ. But let's jump into today's topic of experiencing God. I want to read from the core scripture of Romans 15 verse 18, where it says, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. And this brings me really right into it. And it's the importance of experiencing God for yourself. So often, so many of us are having relationships with God um, that are based on what other people said. And it's a core issue that we're having in the church today, or should should I I say in Christianity today. Because what seems to be happening is we are hungry for something, we want solutions to something, but we're often too lazy to go out and do it for ourselves. And so... People are coming into relationship with God based off that desperation, but because they don't have the hunger enough to go and do um, more, to go and seek it so personally, they're content with having the relationship with God, which is fed by other people. And so you find people who are really just looking for somebody else to feed them, looking for somebody else to tell them what to do. So they want to go to church and hear the pastor say, do this or do that but they're not looking for an intimate relationship with God. And until you experience God, the foundations of your relationship with him will consistently be shaky. Bible says that as long as an heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. And see, what God was talking about was you can have the authority, but if you are still in immaturity, you will not be able to walk with it. You will not be able to carry it. You will not be able to do what you have the authority to do. Because when you leave and live in slaveship, what you are doing is that you will only take what you are given. You do not realize the authority to have more. You are on those bases where you are living merely for survival and not and not for thriving and not for abundance. And so when you choose immaturity, when you choose to remain like a child, when you choose not to deepen your relationship, but to be like babes in the faith, looking for milk as opposed to meat, what happens is you limit your relationship, you limit the capacity that you get from God, you limit your understanding of the truth of God to what a simple man has said. Whether it's a man of God or not, the reality is that if you are getting your direction and your wisdom from a man and you are not getting a deep encounter with God and we need a deep encounter with God in order to be able to thrive. So the first thing I want to highlight is the importance of seeking a personal relationship with God. You cannot afford to look or have a relationship with God that is based on another man's perception, another man's encounter, another man's experience because there is no one that is the same as you. God made you uniquely and perfectly and wondrously in his image. And so when you are starting to guide yourself based on the experience and understanding of God that somebody else has received, you're missing out on something that can only be given uniquely to you. You see, God can use other people as vessels of wisdom and understanding, but he will not give them the total picture. And see, if you are going to get the total picture of what God is calling you into, what God is calling out of you, what God is doing with you, there's some things that only God is going to speak to you and God is going to speak it to somebody else to tell 
tell you because the reality of it is that until you get into this close relationship with him you're not going to be equipped to be able to handle it and also other people do not have the grace let's say to be able to carry your portion to be able to carry what is meant for you and if you let somebody else hold on to it they might in the process of trying to um, give you that word or give you that revelation might mislead you or misguide you or you know make you feel like you're not meant to do it or it seems like it's stupid or foolishness they might scare you out of the blessing that god has for you simply because they can't even begin to see or conceive the idea that it's as big as it is or it's as great as it is or that you could carry it because it was never meant for something that they to be something that they could carry and simply because they know and they see that they can't carry it they will distort it when they're sending the message to you so it's so important that we get into a personal relationship with god and we start to to experience him for ourselves the next thing and the next level of this that we have to start to think about and to talk on is yes i desire to experience god now i want to experience him but how do i get into this encounter you see there are so many people who want to have the relationship with God, want to have the experience of him, want to know what it's like to walk with him and to feel his power and his wisdom and his grace and his goodness. But they're always also trying to shortcut their way to that experience of God. They're trying to shortcut their way to the power of God. They want the gift. They don't want the journey. They want the promise. They don't want the journey. They want to be able to walk in the glory of God without the trial that comes with it. There's so many times and I've thought it myself and I, you know, wouldn't be surprised if many people have because one of the people that we spend so much time talking about when you want to talk about faith, when you want to talk about anointing, when you want to talk about the portion of God, often we end up talking about Job. But the reality is so often, and like I said, I've said it myself, we want to have Job-like faith or Job-like blessings without the Job-like trial. And there is an essence to being able to go through the same trial in order to you to build and to work in you the capacity that you need in order to carry yourself through in order to be able to experience and to witness god you have to go through the trial that god has purposed for you that will build you because one thing that i'm learning and i i say it so often these days is actually the importance of growing you see the whole purpose of this relationship with god for us here on earth um, as well as the great commission is that we grow into the fullness of god we grow into the full stature of his son jesus christ and so how are we going to grow if you do not go through certain experiences one thing i'm learning in life in general is that nobody ever grows in comfort we all want to be comfortable everybody is seeking comfort but in a comfortable place nobody ever seems to grow nobody gets better at what they do no one gets a deeper understanding or a deeper revelation when people get comfortable often they relax you sign people who strive and hustle to get themselves to a certain standard or place in life and then when they get there they get so comfortable they don't know how to manage it so people don't grow in comfort and so what we are actually trying to do if we are looking to stretch ourselves and to grow ourselves it takes a level of discomfort it takes going through turmoil in order for you to grow in the things of god and so when you are spending your life 
saying that you want to be comfortable, deciding that you want to be lazy, deciding that you're okay and you're content with what you have, you're going to stop growing. That is the beginning of death is the moment you stop striving for more. And so, so many people are trying to be comfortable because the world has given you this idea that really all we're seeking in life is comfort, not realizing that comfort is a trap. One thing that I've been speaking, I've been saying recently is the importance of realizing that the flesh is trying to kill you. So when the flesh is telling you that comfort is key, comfort is the mandate, comfort is what you need in order to be able to live a good life what you're going to realize is the comfort is slowly killing you it takes uncomfortable circumstances for you to start to strive and push and be in situations that you never experienced for you to be able to have a new understanding a new capacity to do more when you go into situations you've never experienced you learn to adapt the moment you learn to adapt all of a sudden that place can become your comfort zone and so if you've stretched yourself a little bit now your comfort zone is bigger but the reality is if you're going to grow a little bit more you've got to get into a new level of discomfort so that you can continue you to grow in it and have new experiences and new understanding of the power one of the ways that i used to explain this analogy is offerings and tithe so if i start out by giving a tithe and let's say i'm in church and i'm earning let's say i've got a thousand dollars and i pay tithe so i pay 10 percent i have given off a hundred dollars now i have 900 and i'm uncomfortable i'm thinking how am i going to feed myself in the course of this um, life with this $900 and you're struggling and you don't know how it's going to work and you find a way and you continue and every single time you do it you're still trying to work out what the balance is how is it that this $900 is going to stretch to do all it's called to do and all of a sudden you have the capacity to do it because of, over time you've learned how to live on $900 how to manage your circumstances and you've gotten comfortable you can do it consistently and then God says that I want a little bit more from you because the only way that you're going to learn to grow and have a new understanding and capacity is maybe you give a little bit more. So now on top of your 10% tithe, you start to give $50. So now you're living on $850 and you're stretching yourself and you don't know how you're going to do it until the day that you become capable of realizing that your needs are not as much as you thought that they were and you could cover your needs with the money that you had. And all of a sudden, your, your tent has been enlarged. And so we need to go through areas of discomfort in order to grow. And so I want to go back to the core person I was about to speak about, which was Job. We want to understand Job-like faith, but we don't want to go through Job-like circumstances. And the reality is we need to learn to go through Job-like circumstances if we're ever going to have Job-like experiences of God. You see, the thing that looks to you like it is your enemy, the thing that looks to you like it's here to kill you, it's sometimes the, the situations that being attacked or coming under a level of pressure teaches you to be able to cope with that level of pressure. And so it might seem like an attack of the enemy that God is taking you through this strife, that God is taking you through this hardship that you are going through this hurt and discomfort and pain. But now when somebody comes at you, because you've been through that experience, you're going to be able to do more. I mean, we talk about it, the idea of Job, one of the most powerful things that I love in Job is his statement in Job 1 verse 21 Job 1 verse 21, what Job goes on to say is See? after having lost the um, entirety of his family in a single moment, he says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
And we wonder, how is it that I can have that level of faith? How is it that I could know that level of faith, understand that level of faith? How is it that I could walk in that level of authority and depth and capacity? I want that kind of faith. I want to be able to walk in that kind of power. But we don't want the circumstances that Job had in order to be able to walk in that. You see, we wouldn't be talking about Job's experience of God. We wouldn't be talking about Job's level of faith if Job didn't have the trial that he had. And so we'd never even know if Job had that kind of faith because he hadn't been put under the kind of pressure that required that kind of faith and so sometimes we are wanting to get to a certain level to attain a certain standard not realizing that you have to go through a pressure pot in order for you to even have that level of faith proven to you or shown to you i reckon that it's possible that if you asked Job whether he could even handle that kind of pressure he'd have said it was impossible but it takes being put in a pressure pot to learn what you can handle you know it takes being put in a place and being put under a circumstance that you learn that i can handle this circumstance there's certain things that seem like impossibilities to you but until you have gone through the pressure pot you're not going to realize you have the capacity to handle it and there's something so powerful about the experience of God. What happens with Job at the end of Job is so powerful in Job 42. Because Job goes through an experience that lets you see that he has now stepped into a new um, level when it comes to God. When it comes to relationship with God. When it comes to understanding of the things of God. And it's so powerful to me to understand what it is that Job had to say when he met and encountered God in that way. What happens with Job is that you see at the end of Job 42, the final chapter of Job, that Job is blessed and rewarded for what he goes through. Bible says in Job 42 verse 13, he also had seven sons and three daughters and he called the name of the first Jemima and the name of the second Keziah and the name of the third Kerak Hapuk. In the, all the land, there were found no woman as beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them as an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. Sorry, I'm going to just jump a little bit before where it says in Job 42 verse 12. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. See, Job's got restoration at a level because he went through an experience that revealed God to him in a way he never imagined it. There's something so powerful here in verse 5 that I want you to see to understand the power of this personal encounter with God, of experiencing God for yourself. There is such dynamism because in the beginning of Job, it says that Job was a good man. God was willing to put all on him when, he, when Satan came to accuse and said that I believe my son Job can handle it. But this thing and this amazing thing that I see is that Job had a knowledge of God that came from other people. But he did not have an experience of God that let him understand God in a deeper way. So in Job 42 verse 5, it says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear but now my eyes see you therefore i abhor myself and i repent in dust and ashes job was saying i had heard of you i had had an understanding of what people have told me of the power of god and it sounded so good and i wanted to experience it i wanted to know it i wanted to walk and obey you but what i have seen with my eyes that i have encountered you face to face has shaken my understanding now nobody could ever come to job later and tell job that god is not god because job had gone from hearing about god and wanting to honor god 
in case the in case that he came to pass that God was real. But the moment that Job saw God, his experience completely changed. His relationship completely changed. And there was nothing that anyone would be able to do that would, enc- that would counter his capacity to be able to trust and believe in God. There is something about experiencing God for yourself that shakes things up. And when you experience him, there's nothing that anybody is going to be able to say because I remember how I felt. I remember how I felt when I saw him. I remember how I felt when I when he touched me, I remember how I felt when I encountered his healing, when I encountered his provision, when I encountered his grace and his mercy, I remember how it felt. Nobody can take away that feeling because I have it ingrained in my heart. I have seen it face to face. I have seen it face to face. It's so powerful when the people talk about the way they experience God. I look at the story of Jonah. Jonah touches me so much in such a deep way because there's so many things to learn from Jonah. Jonah had had an understanding and a knowledge of God. He had heard of God so much that he trusted God would be compassionate unto him because he had had experiences of God. But then he got into a different situation. And Jonah 3 is so powerful because Jonah is asked by God to go to Nineveh to speak a word to the people of Nineveh so that they would repent. And Jonah, because he knows God and understands God, decides he's not going to go. He runs away in the other direction. And what he does brings on so much pain on other people that he has to sacrifice himself, sacrifice his life, and jump into a storm for the storm to stop so that they could be saved. And so Jonah, Jonah gets eaten and put in the belly of a fish. And this is death. But God uses it to preserve him. And I'm going to read all of Jonah 3 because the prayer is so powerful and so led by faith. And the experience of God shifts things into powerful because Jonah has experienced the salvation of God. And all of a sudden, there's nothing that anyone is going to be able to say to make me disobey this God because this God has been so good to me. Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction and he answered me out of the belly of the sheol i cried and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me and your billows and your waves passed over me then i said i have been cast out of your sight yet i will look again towards you holy towards your holy temple the way the waters surrounded me even to my soul the deep closed around me weeds and were wrapped around my head i went down in the mornings of the mountains the earth and with the bars closed behind me forever yet you have brought up my life from the pit O lord my god when my soul fainted with me i remembered the lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy but i will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving i will pay what i vowed I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and the fish vomited Jonah out of the dry land. Jonah was standing in a place where he had been through so much. He had had an understanding of God that when he was in this fish's belly, he prayed a prayer to God for for God to redeem him, for God to give him life again, for God to bring him out of the situation. But he did not pray as if God will. He prayed as if God had. 
He had a deep understanding and he experienced God in such a way he was so swift right after that to go and obey what God was going to do and what God had called him to do. Because when you experience God yourself, there's something that shifts that cannot be broken or changed or taken away by other people. When people come into a revelation and understanding of God by themselves, by their eyes, seeing him one-on-one, the things that completely change are marvelous. And I want to go to one of the biggest examples of this experience of God before I wrap up. In Acts 9, verses 3 to 9, I'm going to talk about Saul on the road to Damascus. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you? Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want from me? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. They led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Saul was such a radical against followers of Christ. He was radically going out and killing those who who loved and spoke and ministered Christ, those who believed in him. He was so hinging on his faith and belief that Jesus could not possibly be the Messiah, that he was going out and he was actively killing people who believed in him, spoke of him, walked with him. And he said he would continue. It says, the Bible says that when he started this journey in the very first verse, it says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. When he was starting out his journey, he was still intent on going out to kill. He was still on fire to get rid of people of Jesus, people who followed Christ. And then he came into an encounter with God and everything shifted. And all of a sudden, this Saul guy became Paul. And all of a sudden, he's going out and he's the greatest person in the Bible that you see other than Jesus, who is ministering and advancing the church of God. Because he came into an experience with him that no one could ever tell Paul that there was not God. No one could ever tell Paul that Jesus was not the Messiah. No one could ever tell Paul different because he had seen him face to face and the encounter was so powerful, so moving, so blistering. It was left on him for the rest of his life and it would never be able to tear away from him. It was singed onto his skin and onto his heart and into his eyes. Paul had an experience on the road to Damascus that no one could take away from him. I grew up in the church been there it was standard it's just how i am it's what i do my parents are pastors you go to church it's standard behavior but i never understood the relationship with god i believed in him the stories were great i wanted to experience it but i hadn't really had this tangible thing that made me just know what it was to walk in christ but like i said sometimes you have to go through a hardship you have to go through something for you to start to have the experience of god that will shift your life in so many ways I remember 
I had a bleed in my eye and I was hoping that the bleed would go down by itself and then it didn't so I had surgery on it and the surgery came up with complications and I lost the vision in my left eye for a few months and I had to have other surgeries before it fully came back. The pain I went through, the circumstance I went through, I remember the point in my room after the surgery being in so much pain, I'd gone days without trying to um, react or respond or show pain. I don't like people coming to feel like I need to be helped. So I would always try and hide the pain. And I remember getting to a point where I was lying in my bed because in darkness, because I couldn't take any light coming into the eye because it would cause so much pain and I wept. But because of that, because of the pain I went through, because of the hardship I went through, because of the experience I had developing my own relationship with God, because of the experience that I had of God's hand being on me and healing me and protecting me and watching me and bringing back my sight. Now I can tell you that I know who God is. Nobody's going to stop and make me question that. I have experienced him for myself. So it is important that we get to this place where we stop looking for people to take on our responsibilities and to do things for us and speak God to us and explain God to us but we start to go to the fountain and start to sit like Mary at his feet and say I want to know you for myself God I want to experience you I want to experience you in a new way I've experienced you as a healer I want to experience you as a provider I've experienced you as a provider I want to experience you as a miracle worker I've experienced you as a miracle worker I want to experience you as my helper I want to experience you as my source of peace I want to experience you as my love I want to experience you as my father I want to experience you so by myself nobody can come and tell me that you are not God and you are not able I want to know that you are the able God it is time that we learn to have our own personal experience of God. That we come into an experiential revelation of God so that we can be true vessels for the kingdom of God. Then I go back to the original verse that we started with in Romans 15. And Paul says that he does not want to have to teach of God. I'm going to quote it literally. When Paul says, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles be obedient. You see, I want to experience you by myself. So when I'm speaking about you, I'm not speaking something that I heard somebody else say that they saw, somebody else say that you did. Yes, I've seen your part water, heard about your part in water, but I want to see you part and make way for me. I want you to see you do something for me. Because when I know when I've experienced it, when I'm saying it, I don't have to doubt what I'm saying. I know for a fact you are able because I've seen it in my own life i want to experience god so that when i'm speaking to somebody i can speak from a level of faith that when they look into my eyes they know that for sure this god is god the god that he serves is god because i look into his eyes and i see the passion i see the love i see the experience i see the burning i see that god has set him on fire because god has shown him face to face i have seen the face of god that is where we're trying to get to. Thank you and God bless.